0: This is DWZ podcast here with Deleted Wrestler's Own very own podcast with all about professional wrestling with AEW, NXT, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, the National Wrestling Alliance, various promotions, wrestlers matches and championships. I am your host Jay right here. So welcome back listeners. Today is August 23rd. Um first things first, uh we want to dedicate this episode to uh Terry Funk, you may have heard the news that he passed away. This is a very sad day for the world of wrestling. Um The first time I ever saw Terry Funk was during the uh the Attitude era if you guys remember. He was um teaming with Mick Foley, you know, during um I remember that dumpster match that took place back in uh was it WrestleMania? I think it was WrestleMania where they faced the New Age Outlaws for the uh, WWE Tag Team titles. That is a memorable moment for me. I, uh, that was like one of the few things I did like about that match, you know, with Terry Funk. I didn't even know a whole lot about Terry Funk, especially his family, not to mention a well respected family down in Japan. But I'm sure that the entire wrestling world are saddened and shocked with his passing. But his memory will always live on. The best matches he had, the people he touched, the ones who were influenced by him. Those are the things that will live on forever about him. So, Terry Funk, uh, thank you for everything you've done in the world of pro wrestling. You will be missed, but never forgotten. So, rest in peace. Okay, so back to business. So, sorry about the 10 seconds moment of silence. So, that's my way of paying respects to Terry Funk. So, let's get back to business now. Our first topic, uh, if you're fans of the deathmatch scene, uh, you may have heard of this wrestler uh, born in the UK, but he spent his entire life in Japan. We're talking about Drew Parker. Now, those who are not familiarized with Drew Parker, Drew Parker uh Is a wrestler from the UK who's been wrestling in Japan in the deathmatch scene. Now, some of you may question why would he go to Japan to do deathmatches? Well, it was Japan as you say the origins where deathmatch originally came from, and it would make sense. Now, Drew Parker, um he initially wrestled for three years with the company known as Big Japan Pro Wrestling. Now if you're not familiarized with this promotion um it housed a lot of their death matches and of course normal matches so it's perfect for that um drew parker has treated death match like an art form like i mean look at the guy's scars he's had over the years you know the cuts he has the blood that he had those were moments and not to mention his part uh participation in gcw and various others but his final year, he decided to wrestle with the other promotion, Pro Wrestling Freedoms, as a member of the group known as R-E-E-R-E. Um, I forgot what they call for an acronym, but yes. But the interesting news that came around, uh, it was announced that he was retiring from Pro Wrestling. I mean, he looks kind of young, to be honest. I think he's in his 30s or so. But, let's look at it this way. Why would he retire this... But, well, you got to remember, the body can take so much. I mean, look at Nick Gage. I mean, the, the dude looks like he's been at war for many years. But it would make sense why. I mean, it's like, how do I say, like, it's understandable you need your body to be healed up, be normal as possible. But, however... That's one of the things that that we definitely can uh, understand. But he will be doing other things outside of pro wrestling, which, of course, uh, it will become interesting. So until then, uh, we'll see what happens. But um, they haven't announced a whole lot about... how do I say, when he'll be retiring, like what day, uh, when will be his final matches, that sort of thing. But uh, we'll be playing a little closer to the vest on this one to see how this one goes. I'm sure we'll find out sooner or later. So let's talk about our next topic. As you know, Desperado has been um, appearing on multiple occasions on various promotions recently with Freedoms. So basically, he taught. He had a very interesting match this past weekend at Multiverse United, and and of course, uh, the All Star Junior Festival. Now, here's one of the things that he talked about. Well, there was one topic that was brought upon. Someone asked him this question about, uh, what does he think about? Can he wrestle in a place like Choco Pro or stuff like that? I mean, he felt... I mean, here's the thing. I did learn that he attended uh, the Baka f- uh and Friends Volume 1 first event uh, when it first started. Uh, he was there wearing his mask, attending it. He said he loved the idea. Loved that, what they were doing. So I'm sure he would adapt to it because, you know, it's just pro wrestling. I mean, um, got to move in Choco uh, Pro are, like, the least promotional. They don't have an actual ring to train the wrestlers, but... That's how it is, but it would, it would make sense about that. I mean, I'm not going to lie about it. So he would definitely be involved in that. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if um, Chris Brooks book him into the Bakugaijin's upcoming events that they will put out, but it would be awesome. I don't know if what's their name, uh, if, uh, Emi Sakura or uh, Masahiro Takanashi would invite him, but I would like to see that if he really can do it. But he also had interesting topics he talked about. Amongst them is Nick Wayne. As you know, he had the pleasure of meeting Nick Wayne at the All-Star Junior Festival. Uh, he talked about him, that that you know that he's a prodigy. And I think he really was impressed by him. Now, why am I bringing this up about Despy talking about Nick Wayne? We all could agree about Despy being one of the best junior heavyweight competitors in the world. I mean, remember... He did not want to be the face of of New Japan's junior heavyweight division, but he was lumped in there because of it, and I don't blame him. I mean, it, I, it's it, it's something you know you got lumped into it. It's no one's fault. Let's just leave it as that. But it happened, you know. So, but he did stated that. Um, In in this matter that he was talking about. That he does see a lot of bright future in Nick Wayne. And that's a good thing to hear. Coming from a guy like him. Now he even talked about. Not only Nick Wayne. He even talked about. His tag team partner Jordan Oliver. And Mao from DDT. But he did brought up some interesting points. That kind of make sense. Now. As you know, all four of these men, uh, Despy, Nick Wayne, Mao, and Jordan Oliver, participated in the All-Star Junior Festival. And he said something that was very interesting and curious. He said that these guys should participate in next year's Best of the Super Juniors. And when he said that, I'm like, hmm, he sees something in them. I wouldn't be surprised if he convinces the New Japan Upper management to bring them along. I'm sure it would be a dream come true for Nick Wayne and for Desper- and, uh or Jordan Oliver and possibly Mao. So the obvious thing is, will the Bookers uh, match? Uh, Bookers will be uh, uh, considering it. I mean, if I'm Despy I would say, look, bring these guys up. We know we can make the the following best of the Super Juniors exciting. I mean, yes. I would say yes, bring that up. So, as you know, Nick Wayne is currently signed with AEW. I'm sure that AEW won't have a problem. I mean, look, Kingston just had the G1 recently, and he had a great time. Not to mention meeting uh, his hero, um, Kawada-san. I wouldn't be surprised if if Wayne wants to meet some of his Japanese heroes down there. But I did hear that he is a big fan of Ultimo Dragon. But... We'll see how that rolls out. I think we'll be expecting that soon. But Jordan Oliver, I'm sure he's going to have a great time too. So is Mao. But we'll see what happens. Now, uh, when will the Best of the Super Juniors begin? Uh, Some point in spring of 2024. So that would be it. So we'll see how that goes. Let's just pray that this dream can come true. Now, our next topic, as you know, Julia, is our current New Japan strong open weight uh, women's champion. She just recently had this past weekend a four way match defending her title against Diana Perrazzo, Giselle Shaw, and Momo Kogo. Now, Momo Kogo, as you know, the only reason she wanted this match was because she reminded Julia that she and Willow Nightingale defeated her and Tekla in day one of the New Japan Strong Independence Day. This is the day before before Julia defeated uh, Will Nangel for the belt. So she went to Philly. However, uh, Diana Perazzo issued the challenge by sending a video message to Julia. However, uh, Giselle Shaw decided to crash the party trying to integrate herself into the whole thing. So basically, it was... Unknowings from her. Trying to weasel her way into. It. She felt that the spotlight should be her. But however the spotlight. Ended with her being in a. Um, how do I say. Uh, being. At the end of the northern light bomb. By Julia. For Julia to retain her belt. But she did state it in the interview. She's willing to defend her belt. In America. So that would be easy. But the real question is. Who will be the next. Well. As you know, there have been talks about her next opponent in um, for the next New Japan strong show in Las Vegas on the twenty eighth. Uh, there was still no questions. Now now to me, I'm still waiting for the moment for two matches we know that could take place. One is, of course, Tony Storm, who we know that have been talking shit to about each other back and forth. But there's one that we definitely would say. I would say this one would be a Wrestle Kingdom moment. Uh, mercedes Monet coming back. But we'll see. But for the 28th event, this one was reported by Dave Meltzer saying that there's been rumors about having um, Stephanie Vakir as her opponent. Now, those who are not familiarized with Stephanie Vakir, she is a uh, Chilean-born wrestler living in Mexico. Uh, she has wrestled for CMLL as Parla Amazonias, which is like their women's division down there. But Stephanie Valkyrie was also one of four women who participated in the tournament for to Become the First Ever New Japan Strong. Her opponent that Stephanie Valkyrie had to face was none other than Mercedes Monet. So if it is her, it would be great. So they haven't announced it yet, but they're People are saying that it seems like it's going to go in that direction. Now, that's not 100% confirmed just yet, but we'll see how that turns out. But however, Julia's reign is now being threatened as well by an old familiar face back in Japan while she was still here in the States. Now, after the match was over, this is what happened. Stardom received a video message, an urgent video message from the leader of prominence, and Julia's former friend, Risa Serra. Now, those who are not familiarized with Risa Serra, Risa Sarah is a well-known wrestler from back then in Ice Ribbon. Uh, she specialized in hardcore and death matches. Uh, she had an act for this that she had ever since then. Uh, back in 20, late 2021, she and several friends, including Zuzuki, left Ice Ribbon. To make Prominence their own branch, uh, they produce their own shows involving deathmatches, but many of their members have participated as freelancers outside of their hardcore world. Uh, as you know, Risa Sarah, along with Prominence, invaded stardom in early 2022, declaring war against Julia. Now, some of you may question, why would they declare war against Julia? Now, I'm not sure if I have talked about this on on the podcast, but if I have, uh, hopefully uh, I try to remember. But let me give you guys a quick recap. Back in 2019, Julia caused a controversial buzz. She was still under contract with Ice Ribbon, and eventually she showed up on stardom saying that she is now a part of it. This led to a problem. Ice Ribbon reminded her that she's still under contract, and she was on violation. However, uh, there were rumors speculating that Stardom did something to buy off her contract from Ice Ribbon. Now, I'm not sure if that's 100% true, and I'm sure that Risa Sarah was not happy with the fact that Julia made this move. Of course, when Prominence made her appearance, uh, um, Julia was happy to see them, but they weren't happy to see her because... She caused a problem, not to mention to Zuzu Zuki, who... who, uh, Let me recap what happened between Zuzu and Julia. Julia and Zuzu were very close, like sisters, and and they were roommates. Julia never told Zuzu the intentions of what she was planning, of leaving Ice Ribbon to go to stardom. And, of course, Zuzu was the one who suffered the most damage... Because everybody were looking at her like a common criminal, questioning her. Come on, Zuzu, you must have known that Julia was going to do it. But Zuzu had no idea that this was going to happen. But they've been doing that for months. But Julia said the only reason she didn't say anything was to protect her. But for Zuzu, it didn't do shit for her. But now Reese Sarah, on the other hand, has some unfinished business with her. And here's the interesting part. This match will take place on September 3rd in Hiroshima. And here's the interesting part. Hiroshima is the home prefecture of Risa Sarah So she has the home field advantage. But, of course, the popularity of Julia is going to be there. But I know this match is going to be intense. Because here's the thing. Julia likes to warn out her opponents outside the ring. Put them through tables. Put them through tables. Look what happened with... Uh, with Sayurnoid, they went through hell. I wouldn't be surprised if that match ends in a time limit draw, but we'll see what happens until then now. As for the Las Vegas Show, there is still no confirmation yet about Stephanie Vakir being her opponent for that day, but we'll just wait and see and with her. We're only like what maybe two months away before the Las Vegas show. so let's just wait now. I know this part is going to piss off a lot of people, especially mostly from the WWE loyalist. You may have heard this. There's been, been a possibility that Edge, after having his last match, that he could be appearing in AEW. Now, I know what people are going to say. You're going to say, no, 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 no. It's bullshit. Edge is a WWE guy. He is a WWE guy. No way. He wouldn't do that. He's not like that. He's been part of WWE. Look, guys, I get the point. I get it. But you're missing the facts. Hold on, my freaking cat. Okay. This is what's going on. Edge was willing to utilize his services to WWE. You see, to me, he showed his loyalty. I'm not saying that he, he, he was right on that. I'm saying I understand his loyalty. But this is where you people miss facts about this. It seems WWE were not interested. Now, you're probably going to your heads like, why? He's a guy who's been loyal to the company. You're right, I get it. But it seems WWE have other things in mind, or they're just not interested. Whatever the scenario is. But if AEW has a much better offer for him, then you know he's not going to turn that down. I'm sure he would take it. Now, this is a huge loss for WWE if they had any common sense of having Edge, who's been loyal to the company. They just turned away his loyalty over this. That's on them. Don't blame AEW for this. AEW just took the opportunity and they ran with it. But, WWE, you have loyal people, and what do you do to loyal people You that you either fire or you just you just don't give a shit about them? That's the problem. If they can't accept their loyalty, then why do you need them? Tony Khan, he's not looking for people to be loyal. He's looking for people that can do their job. They're very passionate about pro wrestling. I mean, that's the whole point. Not to mention, Tony Khan, he called Rush after his wife gave birth to their child. How often do you see that? No, you don't. So it's not about loyalty in AW. It's about Let's make this promotion an awesome promotion. That's as always been. WWE is all about making the money. I mean, yes, AEW should be making money, but that's besides the point. You can make money, but at the same time, showing your love for pro wrestling. Where is the love in pro wrestling in WWE? It doesn't exist. If you say you love pro wrestling in WWE, they'll say, sorry, this is not for you. See, that's the problem. If WWE doesn't show love for pro wrestling, then they are in the wrong business. So, that's what I'm going to say for now because you know I have a lot of things I got to do at the moment. But hope you guys enjoyed me talking about the subject. Uh, so we'll see what happens next week for the next episode. Uh, if you guys check out my uh, my YouTube channel, go ahead tell all your friends about this podcast and my YouTube channel, Deleted Wrestle Zone. So uh, next time I'll see you guys. So I must bid all of you adieu. So, goodbye. And have a nice day. Bang!